Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right, open up your Bibles, your device to Exodus chapter 4, and we finished chapter 3 last week, uh, but just because we're changing chapters does not mean we're changing scenarios or scenes, because we're going to see 17 more verses of an encounter that a man named Moses had with Almighty God. And this, in this particular case, it just happened to be from a burning bush. And, uh, and so in chapter 4, uh, we're going to learn something today about how we are to respond when God invites us to a greater chapter in our journey with him. And although we're reading from 3,500 years ago, things don't change much when God is dealing with mankind. Uh, we respond much the same as we have uh, for the last 6,000 years, and we probably will be until Jesus returns. And in chapter 4 and the end of chapter 3, what we have is an 80-year-old guy who is listening to a bush on fire. And he's claiming, the bush is claiming to be God himself. And he's proclaiming something in the life of Moses moving forward. And the question is, how do we respond to that? How will Moses respond to that? How would you respond to that? And so the calling that God's placing on Moses' life is this. All right, bro, listen, you were 40 years raised in Egypt. You've been 40 years marching around in the desert, keeping your father-in-law's sheep. And now I want to use you as a liberator for approximately two and a half million Israelites. Are you in? Okay. It's a big call, right? And often, no matter where we are in our journey, if God speaks to us and we know it, it's a big call. Now, it may not be... Uh, a burning bush. In fact, it probably won't be, okay? Your call may come while sitting in a church service much like this. Your call may be coming, uh, may come in a time when you're in a struggle. Maybe someone you know is hurting or sick or maybe even death. Your call may come uh, lying in your bed in the darkness and the privacy of your own home. Your call can come wherever God wants to put it on you. And God will put it on you where he can most get your attention. But when we hear the, the call of God, how do we respond to it? What do we do with it? Uh, now, keep in mind, this narrative is written by the guy we're talking about. He's writing his own story. Now, that would be kind of cool, right? If you got to write your own story and you got to write what you wanted to be in there. Moses writes about his failures. He writes the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch or the Torah. Now, at this juncture would be a great time for Moses to change the narrative. This would be a great time for Moses to say, God spoke to me and revealed to me that I was faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And Moses emerges from the burning bush experience with a big S on his tunic. Super prophet, super Moses, but Moses doesn't do that because Moses is not ready for up, up, and away. Moses is not ready for that next step in his journey, and, and, and it's real easy to look back at Moses and say, man, why did he choke like that so bad? Okay, we do the same thing. We do the same thing every day in our life, and we're going to look at the reason. Now, the reason Moses choked is the same reason you choke. Same reason we fail, okay, is because 
Every time God puts something before us that's bigger than us, the enemy comes along and places an obstacle in our way. He places a hurdle, if you will, in our path. Now, hurdles are something that most of us are familiar with if we've ever been to a track and field event. Hurdles have been a part of the track and field athletic arena for 200 years. You see, about 200 years ago, men and women would race a foot race in a straight line or in a circle. But it was just running to see who was the fastest. But then along the way, somebody said, you know, that's cool to be fast. But it would also be cool to be fast and agile, meaning if we had to make it around obstacles. So they placed barrels in the pathway. Now, these barrels were all the same size, and they were spaced evenly apart along the runner's path. And, the, uh, and, and it would determine not just who was the fastest, but who was the most agile and able to leap these hurdles. Now, you say, what's that got to do with Moses, and what's that got to do with us? We live in a world where we live a life, and it's a path. And on our path, on our journey, there are hurdles. Now, the difference is, unlike the uh, track and field event, our hurdles come in a variety of shapes, sizes, and colors. And they come not equally spaced so we can get our, uh, get our timing down. You see, to run, the, uh, uh, to run a hurdle race, you need speed, agility, you need timing, and you need a lot of confidence when you start approaching that hurdle. And so our hurdles come in a variety of ways, and they're just unequally spaced and randomly placed in our path, much like Moses. Now, the thing about a hurdle is if, if, if navigated well, uh, when you get to the other side, there's an, an accomplishment behind us, and we're ready for the next hurdle in our life. But if we don't navigate this thing well, if we get tangled up in the hurdles of our life, hurdles can become very hurtful. I remember several years ago, one of my favorite students in student ministry, and he's still one of the, my favorite young men in the world, he was running hurdles for Clinton High School, and I was there. And he's running hurdles, and he's doing quite well. But then this one hurdle had his number. And his feet got tangled up on the hurdle, and this hurdle became hurtful. That, a hurdle is spelled H-U-R-D-L-E. That one was spelled H-U-R-T-L-E because it hurtled him. All right? Next thing you know, we're at Blunt Memorial Hospital, and he's got a broken wrist. Now, I'll tell you that story to say all of us have hurdles and obstacles in our life. And learning how to approach them, learning how to uh, navigate over them with confidence takes time and practice. And most of the time, we just fail. We just say, I'm not up to the challenge. I'm not going to approach that hurdle. I'm not going to go over that hurdle. I don't care what's on the other side of that hurdle. I'm going to stay in my comfort zone on this side of the hurdle. And so Moses had a hurdle before him. And so the title of the message on the back of your life guide is simply this hurdles. Hurdles. That's the title of the message. And we're going to see some of the hurdles that Moses had are the same hurdles we have today. Now, you'll be amazed how simplistic this is. And it's 3,500 years ago, the same as it is today. Number one, peer pressure. If you take notes, put that on the back of your life guide peer pressure. Here's what Moses says. Now, he, listen to me. He's 80. He's talking to God in a burning bush. Who gets to do that? Nobody but Moses. Okay? It's a good, you would think he's going to be, I mean, bold, like built up, excited. That's, listen to what he says. Verse 1, 
Moses answered again and said, if they do not believe me or pay attention to me, but say the Lord has not appeared to you. Peer pressure is this, you ready? The power of they. You see, they are out there. Have you noticed how much you incorporate that into your story? They, them, they said, they are, they will, they think. Uh, who, Who are they and why do we really care? But it's obvious that we care. I want you to understand, in most of our decisions that we make every day, the greatest influencer in our decisions is they, are they, however you say that, rather than him, God. We're more concerned on the horizontal plane, what they think, than we are on the vertical plane, what God thinks about the decisions in our life. We, 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 we live in homes that we like in part because other people thought that was a good one to like. We buy cars that we like because part of it is we look around and it looks like that's what the world likes. We wear clothes because the world says they like it, so we like it too. We send our our children to schools because other people, they said that's a good school. We weigh in heavy on the they and it's peer pressure and Moses is the same. It's the same for an 80-year-old guy 3,500 years ago as it is for you and I today. There was a song written in 1991 that you old people will be familiar with. Here's some of the words. People are talking, talking about people. I hear them whisper, you won't believe it. And then the chorus simply says this, let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. Bonnie Raitt, if you're familiar with that song, raise your hand, which says you are old. Now, now, the truth is, they are talking, okay? The truth is, they are going to weigh in. In your life, in my, in my life, somebody is talking, okay? And just like Bonnie Raitt said, why don't we give them something to talk about, all right? Now, now, in our lives, every decision we make, we give others a reason to talk about us. Some of them are good, and some of them are not good. I'm not talking about they. I'm talking about our decisions. Let me give you an example of a, of a good thing that happened that gives people a reason to talk. Uh, yesterday, the Anderson County High School football team won the state championship with a 15-0 and season. Now, here's what's funny about that. We have, we have some, of our, uh, some of the players in here. Uh, we got some right here in the front. We got the captain cheerleading squad. We've got a couple of principals from our school here. My wife teaches there. We've got some people who graduated there. That's something good to talk about. And, and, and that's really cool. Let's, let's celebrate that victory right there because that's amazing. <laughs> and Walker's up here. He's a finalist. This is funny. He's a finalist for Mr. Football. Isn't that cool? That's just kind of cool, okay? Any of the rest of y'all get that? No, you didn't, okay? This is kind of cool. Now, that's something to talk about, Right? At the same time, when we do great things for people to talk about, we often do stupid things that people talk about. I'm not going to go into that list, okay, because it might include you, okay? So, so here's what we've got to do. We've got to learn how to know that when God is calling us to a different journey or chapter in our world with him, the enemy is going to place hurdles in our life, and we have to learn how to navigate over them, not through them, not get stopped and tangled up on them, but to move to the other side and see what God has waiting on the other side. Now, Moses is a realist. 
You could say, well, Moses is a loser, okay, because he's asking questions to God, and, he, and God's there in a burning bush. Would you think, if you're 80 years old, 40 years essentially removed from civilization, watching your father-in-law's sheep in a desert, and now one day you're going to leave this encounter, no longer is there a burning bush, no longer is there a voice of God, and you're going to go and call for the leaders in, of Israel and say, hey, everybody, I know I'm a shepherd, but God spoke to me in a bush, and he's going to use me to liberate the whole nation from 400 years of captivity. Do you think Israel's leaders are going to say, really? Oh, bro, that's cool. I'm, and they're going to text their wife and say, hey, babe, load the donkey. Moses just said, we're out of here. Do you think that's going to happen? No, no, you don't, and, and neither does Moses, because right now, listen to me, the reason, the problem is peer pressure is still greater than God. You see, until we get to a place where God's bigger than anything in our world, we're going to struggle navigating the hurdles of our life that include peer pressure. So Moses knows the reality of it. Now, sometimes what we have to do first is just identify who they are, Okay. Because then we'll know who we're dealing with. Moses, oh, this is so cool. Moses is talking about they not being Egypt, not being Pharaoh. Before he ever gets to Pharaoh, he's got to convince Israel. You see, if he goes and tells Pharaoh, God said, let my people go, and we're going to go through these plagues, and you're going to let them go. And meanwhile, Israel is over here. They don't know anything about it. They're not sold. They're like, we're not going anywhere. We're comfortable, Right? So, so Moses has to go to his own people. I want you to understand something. Listen, sometimes the greatest hurdle in our life comes from the people that we know the most and we love the best. Ouch. Have you ever had, don't confess this or don't shake your head because your spouse might know that you're saying this, but have you ever had like a revelation like, I'm good, I need to do this, I need to do this, and you're really excited about it, and you share it with your spouse, him or her, whichever the case may be, or your children, or maybe it's your students, you tell your parents this, and man, you talk about letting the air out of the balloon. I mean, just pop your bubble. If you ever had that, just, just don't, just look at me real close. I'll, I'll read your eyes. Don't, don't shake your head. I see it. There you are. I've had it. Okay, and I've been the one who let the wind out of somebody else's sail. Okay, sometimes the hurdle comes from the people closest to us, blood, family, right inside of our home. And so Moses knows what's going on, and we say, well, yeah, but that's 3,500 years ago. I don't really worry about peer pressure. You telling a story right now. Don't do that in church. How do I know? Because just like God said, Moses... I'm giving you a message to liberate a nation from bondage. Jesus says to the church, to the Christian, I'm giving you a message to liberate the sinner from bondage. I'm giving you a message, Moses, to set a people free from their past and to let them walk in the freedom of God moving forward. Jesus said, Christian, church, I'm giving you a message that will set people free from their sinful condition and they can be liberated from every form of stronghold in their life and be one day ushered into the presence of God in a heaven that Jesus is building as we speak. You see, it's the same kind of message. And you say, yeah, but Moses choked. How are we doing on that? 
And let's just do a little quiz. How many people, before God is your witness, can you say you personally led to Jesus and his saving grace in 2022? If none, you better hurry. The year's running out. Okay? How many? Ooh, punch to the throat. Okay? Okay, let's simplify it. How many people are at church today because you were committed to inviting them to church? I mean to a place where you just are annoying. A, you know, a place where you say, if you'll go to church, I'll bribe them. I'll take you to lunch. Okay? How many people are in church, in the family of God, but be, before the opportunity to worship and before an opportunity to hear God's word and for an opportunity for the Holy Spirit, uh, envir- the environment to provide a place for the Holy Spirit to speak into their soul? How many people have you influenced? You say, not good. We're not doing good. You say, well, how do we know that's our calling? Because we have two simple callings as Christians. Here it is, the great commandment, to love God and everybody else too. That's it. And how do we know if we love God and love everybody else too? Because if we love them, we're concerned about their eternal condition. And that's where the great commission comes in, to go into our world and around the world sharing the good news love story of God found in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we, so we kind of choke. So you say, when you think about it, peer pressure, 3,500 years ago and today, same story, just different names, right? If you think that's kind of true, say amen. All right, it's really true. All right, now, number two on the back of your life, life guide, the next turtle I want you to see to accepting God's call is accepting the fact that God uses regular people with regular abilities. You see, sometimes we skirt around God's calling of greatness because we begin to, uh, uh, we, we begin to deny that God might want to use somebody just like me. You say, I'm an average guy. I am. I'm an average. Your preacher is an average guy. And God uses me for beyond average things because I get to pastor a great church. I get to champion the call of God through his church. Now, in Moses' life, this is what it looked like. Verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, what is in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. Now, let me just pause right here. God is in this bush. He's talking to Moses. It's not like he's unaware that Moses has a stick in his hand. He's not looking for revelation He's looking for confession. Like when God walked into the garden and asked Adam and Eve, where are you? It's not like he didn't know they were naked hiding in the bushes. He just wanting a confession. He's wanting them to think and be aware of their condition. And Moses said, a staff. And so, and so what we're going to see is God wants to use just practical stuff in our life to persuade other people about his greatness. Practical persuasion. Now, the power of practical persuasion is God's desire to use an individual right where they are with the thing they are most familiar with. God uses this on a regular basis. He's done it throughout Scripture, and he still does it today. You say, where? David. David was a little boy left behind from his brothers who were at war. David was jealous of them being at war. Meanwhile, David was told, Stay home and take care of the sheep. Now, he was a shepherd, but every day of his life, he practiced the art of slingmanship, where you would take a sling, put a stone in it, whip it around, let it go, and hit the target. 
Scripture says he confessed he had killed bears, he had killed lions, he had killed wild animals protecting his sheep. But on this day, he was cheese boy. God said, excuse me, his dad said, David, you need to go to the front lines and take cheese to your brothers. Okay, there's a good title, cheese boy for the day. He goes to the front line and there's a a, a giant there, Goliath, who is cursing their God. And his brothers, who he thought were champions, were hiding in the rocks. And David gets the call to take something ordinary that he's familiar with, that he's practiced with. He takes this sling and he says, why are you hiding in the rocks? He attacks Goliath, puts a stone in the sling, buries it in Goliath's forehead and kills him. You see, God uses ordinary things, the practical things in our lives, the things that we're often most comfortable with. You, you, you keep reading in the New Testament, Peter and John, fishermen, raised in a fisherman's home, familiar with the sea, familiar with what it took to catch something that really doesn't want to be caught. And Jesus says, you guys are going to be perfect. I'm going to take you as fishermen and make you fishers of men because you're good at catching something that don't need to be caught. And you're tenacious and you're going to get up early and do what it takes to accomplish this. We keep reading, we find Paul, who was Saul. He was educated, spoke multiple languages, and God would use him to go to Rome and to preach in these other areas, speaking their language, planting churches, sharing the love story of God. And then you got Moses who had a stick. How simple can you get? He picked a shepherd with a stick in his hand. Now, no doubt this stick he had been carrying around for years, probably had his finger uh, texture and his finger shapes kind of worn in that stick. And when he picked up this stick, he knew where his hand would go. Walker, when you pick up a football, you know where your fingers are going to go on the treads of the football. You just know. They just go right where they're supposed to be. If you're a receiver and you're catching a football, you feel it, you, you, you know when to, when to grab the ball, okay? It, it's the way it is. We're familiar with it. That's the way Moses was with his stick. Now, God is going to use three practical signs for persuasion to authenticate his message. And I want you to hear this because in your life, You have things that God wants to use, just practical, everyday things you're comfortable with, you're familiar with, you trust, you place your faith in, and he wants to use those for something greater. Now watch what happens. First practical sign is his stick. Verse 3, the Lord said, after he said, what's in your hand? He says, it's a stick, it's a a stick or a staff. The Lord says, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. It became a snake. The Hebrew word is nahash. In another place, in just a few chapters, the the word for snake is tanin, which is crocodile. (laughs) I think this was a crocodile. I'll explain in a minute. But anyway, he says, and Moses ran from it. Pause. Now, but the Lord said to Moses, now put out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. I've given you a practical sign of persuasion. All right? Now, don't miss this. In verse 3, what God is saying, he says, Moses, I just want you to know you have things in your life that you trust, that you put your faith in, that you hold on to, that you carry with you in your day-to-day routine, that when you lay down at night, it's laying right there with you. You know you can grab onto it. It is your 80-year-old man blankie. It's your binky, Moses. It's your passy, okay? I have a grandson, he's two. 
And Major, I put him to sleep. Uh, Clark was at a lock-in, and I would much rather be with a dozen two-year-olds as a lock-in. And so Major went to sleep. I took him up in his bedroom, and I laid him in his bed. And he laid down when he was asleep. And I looked up, and his blankie and his baba were not there. Okay? Baba's his sheep, in case you didn't get it. So I thought, where's his baba? Where's his blankie? So I went downstairs, and I got his blankie and his baba. And I go up, and I put his blankie on him. I laid his baba. And about the time I laid the sheep down there, he's laying in the bed asleep. He goes like this. Now, if you, this is not good. This is this, going to be all night. I'm going to have a lock-in. Okay? And I didn't know what to do. I said, I put your blankie and your baba in there. And he goes, splink, and he went to sleep. Why? Because he's got security, man. If he's got his blankie and his baba, he's good. Here's an 80-year-old man. He's got a stick. As long as he's got his stick, he's good. God is saying, Moses, I'm, I'm the God who made that stick. You lay that stick down and give it to me, and I'll make something amazing out of it. Now, here's what's, here's what's cool about it. God had to use something that would startle him. Now, he ran from the snake. There's something wrong here. Snake don't scare Moses. Moses is 40 years in the wilderness with sheep. You know what are in the wilderness with him and the sheep? Snakes. So that snake don't scare Moses. Snake scares the pastor. I hate snakes. I hate them. They're all 10-foot rattle-headed copper moccasins, if you ask me with five-inch teeth. I don't like any of them. And some of you snake enthusiasts went out, Pastor, there's good snakes, and they eat the poison snakes. Have you ever seen a black snake eat a rattlesnake? No, you haven't. You show me one, I'll change my view, okay? They're all rattle-headed copper moccasins, all right? You realize the first time a snake shows up in all of creation is in the garden, and Adam didn't kill it, and look where we're at today. Now, it's illegal to kill snakes in Tennessee. It's illegal to do a lot of things. I'm going to keep moving. Now, the stick became a snake, and then God says, now pick it up. Moses, is, he's in transition of understanding the value of what God is doing with his stick. Now, what did it, what did it turn into enough to scare him? It could have been a crocodile, but that's a different Hebrew word. In Egypt, the snake of Egypt, uh, the snake of choice is a cobra. And the cobras in Egypt can grow to be eight feet long and when they're striking can raise their head two feet off the ground and have what is called a five-inch hood as they spread their neck to begin to strike. I think it was something like that. I would run, Moses did, okay? And then he said, pick it up. You see, God is sending a message that says, Moses, that thing that you're holding on to, what you think is a, a staff of security, it can actually be evil if you're holding on to it tighter than you are to God. He's saying to the people who are going to see this miracle, listen, you all worship that silly snake. You got it wrapped around your head in gold. You worship it because they believe the fact that a snake shedded its skin pointed to eternal life, both of the snake and to those who worshiped it. And God's saying, listen, I got power over the thing that you worship." The thing that you hold on tightly to, it's all mine. And Moses, if you'll let it go, I got something bigger and better that you can hang on to. It was a stick. The second practical persuasive sign he uses is the simplicity of his hand. 
He goes on and he says in verse six, six, he says, the Lord said to him, put your hand into your robe. So he put his hand into his robe and when he brought it out, there was his hand leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand back in your robe. So he put it back in his robe and when he brought it out from his robe, there it was restored like the rest of the skin. God said, if they did not believe you or pay attention to the former sign, then they may believe the latter sign. 3,500 years ago, leprosy was a really big deal. Leprosy 3,500 years ago was COVID-19 of 2020, okay? It could kill you. It could maim you. It could incapacitate you. It was, there was suffering involved. Uh, they didn't know what the cure was. And God said, the thing that you worry about most, death itself, God said, I got it in my hand. I can handle it. I am beyond that. I am above that. There's nothing in your life that you fear or you love that I'm not above. But you got to get the memo. You got to learn it. You got to embrace it. You got to live in it. Thirdly, he says, I'm going to give you a third practical persuasive sign. Simply some water. This says in verse 9 that if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to you, then take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground. And the water you take out of the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. They may not be so concerned about the cobra. They worship the snake. They may not be so concerned about leprosy because we've got those folks in a colony. And as long as we wear a mask and wash our hands, we'll be okay. And so we're not worried about either of those two, but let me tell you something they're going to worry about, the Nile. You see, the Nile represented life, longevity, and sustenance for them. You see, in the Nile, from the Nile, they received fresh water. From the Nile, they received fish to eat. From the Nile, they received fish and water to sell, to offer trade, to make a revenue. From the Nile, it provided a barrier to the enemy because they would have to cross the river. Uh, they worshipped the Nile. In, in fact, there was a god in Egypt called Hapi, H-A-P-I, which was the god of fertility and life. And God said, listen, I've, the thing that you think gives you life, I got power over that too. And if I decide to, I'll turn it into blood and kill everything in it. And everything you thought you had in that, in that river, you will lose because I am over the Nile River. And so in, in our world, God wants to reveal himself to us practically. It doesn't matter if you're a student, if you're a middle-aged adult, if you're a senior adult, every day we wake up, God is ringing his bell of glory. Everywhere we look, it's there. If you go outside tonight and you look up at the night sky and you see the stars of the sky, it's God saying, that's me, I did that. If you pick up a microscope and you look down at something small, some microbiological something, God says, I put that together too. When you look in the mirror, you ought to be amazed, not how impressive you are, but the fact that you can even see you looking back at you. And that the process, the way the eye works, it picks up an image upside down, flips it over and sends it to your brain and says, fix your hair, you know? I mean, everywhere we look, everything we do, the beat of our heart just screams out the glory of God. 
And what we do, and Moses had done it in the wilderness, and we do it today, we suppress it, we push it back, and we deny or refuse the greatness of God. Scripture talks about that in Romans chapter 1. says in verse 18, for the wrath of God, God's serious about us not taking him seriously. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. He's saying, if we push back on the greatness of who God is, it's unrighteousness. And God's wrath comes out on that. Now listen to what he says in 19. Because what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. Practical persuasion. He says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or even give him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God of an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or even reptiles. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them over, he gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. God has revealed himself to us. He's done it through nature. He does it through his word. He does it through the conviction of his Holy Spirit. And often we just push it back. We suppress it. And rather than receive it, we embrace a lie. As somebody was telling me, uh, well, it was Don. I just told Don standing under the bus. He told me, he said, did you watch the Dolly Parton special? I said, no. I said, I thumbed by Dolly Parton special. And on another channel was a special about uh, Queen. And on another channel, there's a special about something else. And I honestly, none of them were too special to me. So I didn't really watch it. And I, but I like Dolly Parton. I think for a lady her age, you know, and the work she's had done, she's a beautiful lady who can sing like a bird. Okay? I'm talking about the work on her esophagus, her throat, practicing her voice. And so... So, and the work she's done on her hair, you know, making her hair look. I mean, she, she, she's a beautiful lady, and she sings great. I, I believe that. But in this special, he sang a song with Zach Williams. There was Jesus. Sang some other songs about Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, which is only fitting it's a Christmas special. And if you leave Jesus out, it's not very Christmassy. You'd call it something else. But he said at the end, he said, she said, we, nobody really knows if there's a heaven or not, you know. And I'm like, she said that. You know, now here's the thing, okay, why does she think there's a Jesus? Where'd she get that information? Well, you got it from the Bible. It's the only place you can get it from. I mean, you can get it from history books, but if you're talking about Jesus being the Savior of the world, you get it from the Bible. Well, how can you get Jesus from there and not get heaven from there? You see, what we do, this is what he's talking about in Romans. What we do is we, 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 we embrace things we want to embrace, which I don't know why you wouldn't embrace heaven. It's in there. And then we begin to suppress things and push them back and deny the truth and buy the lie. And next thing you know, our life gets sideways, okay? And so God, meanwhile, is giving us all of this practical teaching, 
All of these things that can help us. Number three, the hurdle that we struggle with is personal perception. You see, the reason this is a hurdle is because God calls us and we say, I'm, I'm not your person, God. You know, there's a whole list of people out there. They would be great at this. And God says, I, I, didn't, I didn't pick them. I chose you for this particular calling. Listen to what happens in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I am not an eloquent man, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, uh, who gave a mouth to man? Or who makes a person mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So now go and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you must say. Now, it's kind of interesting, 40 years ago, he, he was not lacking in personal confidence. Uh, 40 years ago, you will remember the, the, that God moved into his heart. We saw in Acts chapter 7, and he was concerned about his people. So he left his home as heir apparent to Pharaoh, and he went out into the land of Goshen, probably, where the Israelites were at, and he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite, and he killed him. That was not his best day, okay? And he did it because he was confident that this was wrong. And, and, and then the next day, he buries the guy. And the next day, two of the, his Hebrew brothers, family, were fighting. And he intervenes. You see, one day he's next to be Pharaoh. The next day, he thinks he's Abraham Lincoln. And then the next day, he's Judge Judy fixing all the civil disputes. And the next 40 years, he's in the wilderness. Okay, now, something happens when you get alone for 40 years with sheep, okay? Every day with sheep. Nobody to really puff you up to tell you just how good you really are. Have you ever thought about that? Often, the reason we think we, who, we are who we are is because of what, how people weigh into our life of who we are. And sometimes, we begin to formulate the idea that we re really are what people say we are, whether that's good or whether that's bad. We begin to believe the narrative that somebody brings into our life. God wanted Moses to understand he was of value not because of what he thought he was. He was of value because God formed his DNA to make him just like he wanted them to be. I, think, I look at these tables over here, these students, and I'm telling you, man, they live in a hard world. We, you know, I, I, I went to school back when we chiseled our names on rocks, and, you know, and it, was, it was rough then, not like now. It's a hard life. We need to be praying for our students and praying for Clark and Kelsey and this team who are ministering to those. And I want to just speak to you all right now. Don't you listen to what the world says you are. You find you some alone time with God and let him tell you who you are. I'll promise you, God thinks more highly of you than anybody in this world will ever think of you. On your worst day, God thinks you are the prize. God looks at you like he looks at Moses and says, bro, you're first round draft choice, man. You are the cream of the crop, the pick of the litter. That's what he thinks about you every day. Don't you listen to what the world says. Adults, it doesn't stop, does it? We have days, we have failures and successes. We have those moments of weakness where we just play stupid really well and we listen to what our boss says, sometimes what our spouse may say. 
what our parents may say, what our neighbor may say. We listen to those words, and meanwhile, God's saying, who told you that? You didn't get that from me. We've all got to get to a place where we get alone with God and let him determine, let him reveal to us what he sees in us. God created Moses. God created him like he was. God knew about his his weaknesses, his failures, his successes, and he still picked him. (laughs) Good news. Have any of y'all killed anybody? I mean, if you had never gone to jail and paid your penalty, don't raise your hand, okay, because it might be videoed, okay? You probably hadn't killed anybody, and if you did, you probably didn't just bury them and cover up the evidence, but you've done things that you've suppressed and hidden and wished you hadn't done, and all the while, God looks from heaven, and he says, I still got you on my radar. I'm, I'm still picking you. I still have something for you, a place for you to go, a thing for you to do, an accomplishment for the kingdom. I still want you in the game. You're a starter, not a bench warmer. Get in the game. That's what God thinks about us. And I love that because I've messed up a lot and he still chooses me. Now, we keep looking and we realize that, that sometimes in our world, rather than going to God, we we listen to the voices even for our positive view of ourselves. If you go to the bookstore, which seldom exists anymore, but you get on Amazon Books, you can buy a lot of books, self-help books. And it's not just for adults. We do it when, when, when we have little kids. We got the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. And then we, we as adults, sometimes we muster ourselves up. I think I can. I think I can. I, I heard about this one story where there's a, a man and a woman they lived on the 25th floor of a 50-story apartment building, and he read a self-help book. And he looked over his wife. He said, I think I can fly. She said, you can't fly. I think I can. So he went up on the 50th floor, and he jumped, and he started flapping his wings, and he's screaming, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he came right by, and his wife stuck her head out. She said, how's that going? He said, so far, so good. <laughs> That's how we do. So far, so good meanwhile God is screaming you can't but I can and if you will get close to the I canness of who I am great things will happen in your life beyond anything you ever dreamed Moses was 80 and God was just getting ready to use him in his most powerful way God still wants to do great things in our life now fourthly The last hurdle that we're going to look at today is providential patience. Now, providential patience is is an odd one because you think, well, if God's why is God's providential patience a hurdle? Because sometimes we think we can out procrastinate the eternal nature of God. In other words, if I say no long enough, He's going to leave me alone. If I just deny it, suppress it long enough, he's just going to find somebody else. God doesn't work that way. Now, he may find somebody else in the interim, but he still chooses you. You, you, can, you can run from God, but you can't hide. Verse 13 says, Moses said, Lord, please send anyone else whom you wish to send. This is good. Moses is like, I, I'm not going to give you a name, but I know who a better candidate is, God. Are you ready, God? Anybody whose name is not Moses, that's who you need to pick. 
They would be a great choice, God. They would be amazing for you. Just send anybody. Meanwhile, God's saying, I left heaven and showed up in a burning bush that's not consumed and spoke your name. There is no anybody else I'm picking. I chose you. And church, listen to me. If you're a child of God today because you are born again, you're saved. It's not because of your goodness. It's because God chose to love you. That's why. That's good news. Because I'm looking around. I wouldn't pick some of y'all. Some of y'all, I, you would not be on my team. Okay? And I wouldn't be on some of y'all's team. But you're on God's team. And that's the better news. Now, Moses is at a crossroads where he thinks he can, if he just holds out long enough, that God will leave him alone. Moses is going to write five books of the Bible where Moses is the superstar. He doesn't write it that way, but he is. He's God's superstar in this story of redemption for a nation. And right now he stands at a crossroad of getting to be part of that or walking away. He gets to choose right here. Is God's plan for my life better or is my plan for my life better? Have you ever been there? That place where you get to choose to do it God's way or to do it your way? Moses is in this place. And so verse 14, this is how God responds. He says, then the Lord became angry with Moses. And the word angry there in the Hebrew is more frustrated than wrathful. He's frustrated that I'm in a bush speaking to you and you don't get it. And in your life and in my life, he's very clear to us. And often we don't get it either. And so, Moses, so God said to Moses, okay, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Moreover, he's coming to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. See, God, in his sovereignty, he already knew what Moses was going to say, and he already had a plan to support Moses, to encourage Moses, and to help him even in his weakness. Verse 15, so you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. As for me, I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth. I'll teach you both what you must do. He will speak for you to the people, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were his God. You will take in your hand his staff with you, And you will do the signs. Verse 18, so Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and he said to him, let me go so that I may return to my relatives in Egypt and see if they are still alive. Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt because all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Now, Moses is ready for the adventure. Now he's ready. He goes back and he tells his father-in-law, God's called me to do something greater. I thought I, thought I was doing it. I, I like my job. I'm, I'm comfortable hanging out with sheep. But God's got a bigger plan for me. Every single person in here, listen to me. God wants an, a moment in your life like this. Maybe not through a burning bush. Maybe not for two and a half million people to be released. But a thing. Something that he's placed you on this planet for. And you get to come to a place where you say, 
Why is he inviting me? Why did he pick me? There's all these other people are greater candidates. Why are you choosing me? And God says, because that's the way I do things. I get to do the picking and you get to do the deciding. But when you decide, it's the first step into God's greater story in our life. Verse 20, and we're done. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and he put them on a donkey and he headed back to the land of Egypt and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Finally, Moses is at a place where he tells Zipporah, his wife, he says, girl, we got to go. Tell the boys, get their stuff. We're loading the donkey. Where are we going? To Egypt. Uh, didn't you murder somebody in Egypt? Yeah, I did. But God's fixed all that. Now we're going back, and the best is yet to come. Now listen to him, this is cool. He was at the crossroads where he could have missed everything God wanted for him to do because he was hanging on too tightly to what was in his hand because he didn't understand that God's view of him was greater than his view of himself and what the world was saying about him. God's plan was bigger than anything he knew. And he was at a place where he could simply take his, what was in his hand and say, I'm going to let go of that, God, and I'm going to hang on to you. Now, here's the thing. Today, every single person in here, you got something in your hand. But for these guys and girls, it, it may be a, a 4.0 GPA. I never had that. Don't know what it's like to hold on to that. I had a 2.5, pretty solid. Okay? Some of y'all may be a football, maybe a soccer ball. Maybe a pom-pom. Maybe uh, for adults, it may be a 401K. It may be a savings account. It may be a business. It may be a relationship. Something in your hand that God's calling your name and saying, hey, I know how you got trust and faith in that. I know how you're hanging on to that. Why don't you let that go and give it to me and see what I'll do with it. Moses finally let it go. He let it all go. Now, here's what he would see. He don't know this is coming. He'll get to see the rod turn to the snake and back a few times. Leprosy appear and be healed a couple of times. The Nile River will turn fully to blood. Millions of frogs will get to show up at his call and his beckoning. He'll convert the dust to lice. He'll create flies that were allowed everywhere but in Goshen where the, his people were. The Egyptian cattle will get diseases but not Israel's cattle. He'll call boils out on the people of Egypt. Hail and fire will come from heaven at his hand. Locust will infiltrate the land of Egypt. Darkness will come over the whole land. Death of the firstborn in all of Egypt. He'll part the Red Sea with his stick. He'll walk across dry land. He'll close the Red Sea and kill all the Egyptian soldiers. He'll uh, call bread from heaven, quail from heaven, water from a rock, on and on and on and on and on. And if he was left up to his own self, he would have missed every bit of that because God sinned somebody else. Now listen to me today and we're done. God wants to send you. He's got a sending for your life. A place he wants you to go and do his will. And you can push back and procrastinate. You can run but you can't hide. He'll get people to do things that need to be done. But he wants you. And the moment you step into that and let go of that thing that you're holding on so tightly to is the moment he'll begin to accomplish great things in your life. That's not a prosperity gospel 
It's a fact. It's the way God does in the life of his people who will, who will surrender and follow him obediently. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Today in this room, there are people who are standing at the crossroad of obedience, hanging on to something. And for some of you, you've been standing there for a long time. And you know that thing that's in your hand that you put your faith and your trust and your comfort and your being in. It's time to let that go, to surrender it to something greater. And there's some of us in here today who the beginning, the thing that we won't let go of it is ourself. We just somehow think that our will for self is greater than the one who created us. And you need to surrender to Jesus. You just, you, you've been invited and you know it. You just need to say, God, I hear your voice. I don't know why you picked me, but I'm glad you did. I want that grace gift of Jesus into my life. I want you to forgive my past and rewrite and begin to write my future. God, I give myself to Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And for all of us, we are all come to a place where we get to say, God, I'm going to let go. Start writing a new chapter in my life. Do greater things than I ever saw or imagined possible in my life. Not because of me, but because of you. Father, I thank you for the day you've given us. I thank you for this amazing story found in this amazing book, book two of your eternal word, Exodus chapter four. God, I pray that all of us will listen to the direction, the calling, the beckoning of your Holy Spirit, of what you have for sto in store for us in our life, and that we'll let go of our blankie. We'll let go of our babas, and we'll let go of our sticks, and we'll let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to so tightly that we put our trust and faith in and give it to you. We no longer listen to the world and no longer listen to our own desires, but listen to you, God, what you have for us. And we'll give you praise for it because we know you want to do great things in our lives. God, I thank you for every person in here, every family represented. I pray, God, that you'll do great things in their lives and in the life of this church. We'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.